afternoon, Mamlaka. Good afternoon again. Yes, our scripture reading comes from the book of Acts. The book of Acts chapter 2 and verses 44 through 46. 44 through 46. Would you please rise up in honor of God's word. Acts 2, 44 through 46. All believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. And verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Pastor Modoni, for reading uh, for us uh, that wonderful passage uh, of scripture. Appreciate the service leadership by Pastor Modoni, another Pastor Modoni. Uh, let's just appreciate uh, both of them for a wonderful time. But uh, wasn't that amazing what the, the kids have done uh, this afternoon? Isn't it? It was amazing. Were you guys here? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was amazing. I, I know you're still uh, thinking about the kids and what they did, and you're wondering how we are going to mix salt and sugar by, uh, you know, bringing someone to preach after such a beautiful presentation. But uh, um, we, we have to do this at one time uh, or another during our services to see what is it that God has in his word uh, for us. So allow us to be able to look at God's word uh, briefly. Uh, for those of you who were here last week, you recall that uh, last Sunday was a very special Sunday in the life of this church. We celebrated how many years? of the Seven years of God's faithfulness, God working in and through this local church to extend his kingdom. So uh, every year, we just don't want any year to pass by without us uh, acknowledging uh, what God has done for us and to be able to appreciate his goodness and his love and his um, uh, kindness in using us uh, to extend his uh, kingdom. Um, you, in celebration of uh, the seven years, uh, we thought that we would share a little bit about the church so that we can bring ourselves back as to the importance of church and why actually we should uh, celebrate seven years of God's faithfulness. And uh, one of the things we said is that we live at a time when many Christians are taking the local church for granted, and there are many reasons why they are doing that. Uh, there is no serious uh, commitment and love and zeal and passion uh, for the local church. And we said there are a couple of reasons that uh, uh, we, we, we have observed and thought that we probably could share that with us so that we are keen on that. And that uh, 10 years uh, from now, or let's say three years from now, when we have that big, huge event celebrating 10 years uh, of God's faithfulness here, you will still be here and you'll still be very, very passionate about this church and what God is doing in this church and is doing through this church and how God is blessing you uh, leaps and bounds as far, as far as your service to him and your connection to him uh, is concerned. That is our desire because the church is a very special, special, uh, uh, body uh, of Christ. Christ loves the church. He refers to it uh, as his bride. 
Uh, he, he did everything that a person can ever do to express his deepest uh, love uh, for, for the church. And as such, those of us who are coming into the household of faith, so to speak, those of us who are being saved and becoming true followers of Christ, um, it is an expectation or it should be natural that we would love the church, especially as it is represented in the local church. And we say that one of, the re, uh, one of the ways that we can keep our zeal and our passion and our love and our commitment to the local body of Christ, the church, is by having a proper view of church ownership. We also said that uh, it is important if we are going to have this passion, this love, and continually love the church that we identify and commit ourselves to a particular local body of Christ. Well, this afternoon I want to continue along the same line by giving us a couple of more reasons uh, or, or reasons that I believe are important for us to put in mind that will help us as a people to continue to be in love with the church, to continue to be in love with the local body of Christ. One other way that I want to add that you and I can be able to be and continue to be passionate, to continue to love the local church is by, if you will, being active as far as your commitment and love for the fellow member of the local church that you become part of. In order for you to have and to continue to maintain your passion and commitment for many years to come, it is going to be because you understand the importance of a fellow brother and a fellow sister within the body of Christ. So not only are we being called upon to identify and to declare our membership at a particular local body of Christ, but we are also being called to be active, functioning members of any local body of Christ, such as Mamlaka Hill Chapel, Ruaka, that God blesses us in. And one way of being active is by being involved in the welfare, in the well-being of those that God also brings from the universal body of Christ and places them in the local church that he also places you in. To be actively involved in their welfare. God is calling upon you to be actively involved in the person who is sitting in front of you, in that person who is sitting behind you or beside you. Now, I know that we've been here for probably about an hour to two hours, and we've been doing a lot of things together, but it's very possible that you have not noticed that in front of you there's someone. Behind you, there is someone. Perhaps besides you, you may know the person next to you because you 
came from the same house, but it's very possible that you didn't notice them. But I want you to know that there is someone there. And that person is very, very important to the body of Christ. Or more specifically, that person is very, very important to this local body of Christ, Mamlaka Hill Chapel, Ruaka. Now, one of the things that I don't uh, enjoy a lot is when a preacher says, would you turn to your neighbor and tell them something, whatever it is. Ask them how they were. Okay, uh, they usually do that, but that's, sometimes I have a hard time really uh, turning to my neighbor and saying something. But I want to go against my own feelings and ask you, if you can turn to your neighbor, especially if you didn't come with them, or the one sitting behind you or in front of you, and I want you to tell them, that you are very, very important to the body of Christ, especially to this local body of Christ that meets at Mamlaka Hill Chapel, Ruaka. Hallelujah. And listen, what you have said to that person or to those people is accurate. It is, you are on the money. Everyone who God brings from the world and brings them into and places them into his universal body called the church which is also referred to his household, his family, and then leads them to identify a particular local body of Christ and places them in that local body of Christ, they are there by God's choosing and they become very, very important to the Lord and to the functioning of that body. So when you turned to that individual in front of you or behind you and you told them that they are very special, very important, you are speaking truth. Everyone who is crafted into the body of Christ becomes important to the body of Christ. And you and I, if we are going to maintain our zeal and our love for then this body of Christ, we are going to recognize that this local body of Christ is made up of all these very important people. And if they are important and they are important to the Savior that we are following, then they must be important to me as well. In the book of Acts chapter 2, the passage of Scripture that uh, Mudoni read for us uh, today, we are informed that uh, the believers uh, were all together, uh, which means that they were meeting together. They were so united. It tells us that they were selling their possessions and property, and then they were bringing the proceeds from those sell and giving them to the local church and one of the reasons that they were giving to the local church is so that the local church would be able to take care of the welfare or the well-being of those in the same 
congregation who are going through loss or a difficult time in their lives. They were engaged with the needs that were represented within that local church because they understood how important that individual is. And therefore, he who had plenty uh, would ensure that they would give so that there would be none amongst them with a need. In verse 36, uh, Dr. Luke, who is the author uh, of the book of Acts, informs us that there was a man by the name Joseph, also called Barnabas, uh, is uh, described as a Levite from Cyprus. Uh, Barnabas had a, 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 a field, the, the Bible calls it a field, we Kenyans know what to call it, we call it a plot. He had a piece of plot uh, that, uh, just because it appears in the Bible, I think that it must have been a very expensive piece of plot, maybe somewhere in Runda or somewhere, you know. And he decided that he was going to sell that piece of property. And he managed to sell it. Luke informs us that he took all the proceeds from that plot and brought it to his local church for the purpose of helping that local church to advance its mission, which included meeting the needs of the needy people within that uh, congregation. So these Christians, these early Christians, had learned the importance of staying together. No wonder it says that they were all together and they had everything uh, in common. Maybe the question that we need to ask ourselves is this. What is it that motivated these early believers to give so freely like the way they did? What is it that was behind their giving so liberally so generously towards one another and towards their local church. Now, I want you to note that uh, these believers were not forced to give. They were not forced to give of their possessions and their properties or the proceeds from their cell. They were not manipulated by being given all kinds of promises of how God was going to bless them if they sold their property and gave it up to the church. Through all kinds of prophetic utterances has, is very common in our day. I believe that these believers, these believers gave because of two reasons. Number one, I believe that they understood who they had become upon accepting Jesus Christ as their personal savior. In other words, they understood, they knew their position in Christ and how that position related to a fellow brother or to a fellow sister within that community of believers or within that local body of Christ. Secondly, I believe that these believers in the early church understood or looked at life not from an individual perspective, but they looked at life from God's perspective. It wasn't just about what it is that I am dealing with in my own life, but it was about what does God think about what's going on in my life and how God looks 
much wider, not only to just me as an individual and my own challenges, to the entire body of Christ and that which God is trying to accomplish in our world today. These believers, I believe, had that perspective which impacted what we'd call possessions versus what is important as far as God's agenda in our world today. I want you to note that these believers uh, did not apply in, 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 uh, in, in, in selling their property and bringing the, the proceeds to help the poor or to help the needy brothers and sisters, they were not applying the, uh, the, the, the communist uh, philosophy of life. Because I, I meant to point out that because in the past, the communists used to use this passage of scripture to defend their philosophy of life. You see, the communists used to teach that what belongs to you belongs to me. But these Christians, in their view, they would say, what belongs to me belongs to me. But at some point, I will relinquish ownership of what I have when God reveals to me that a fellow brother or sister who is in need and they are important to the body of Christ, which they are, at that point, I relinquish my ownership in order to help that brother, that sister, in order to help the local body of Christ as it tries to do the things that it must do in order to continue to stay alive and to propagate the gospel to the ends of the earth. I am the owner of all that I sell. And that's what happened with Ananias and Sapphira. The issue wasn't that they were being forced to give. They still owned what they owned. The problem is that they tried to deceive the church, and so they became a testimony of the need to be faithful and honest as far as that's concerned. But their resources still belonged to them, but they would relinquish the ownership upon God revealing to them a need within the local church. You see, when God takes you and places you in a local church such as Mamlaka Hill Chapel, Ruaka, he does that for several purposes. Those purposes are very well described in the New Testament. If you read the New Testament carefully, you'll see all those purposes clearly described as to why you and I uh, need to be part of the body of Christ. But one of those purposes that is very clear is that God wants to bless you. Did you know that? God brings you out of the world, out of the sinful world, because you respond to the gospel and you invite Jesus and says that you are to be on the throne of my life. I am giving you my life now, it is in your hands. Then what God does 
is that he places you into his universal household. That's the universal church. You become a member of the family of God. But then, as we said last week, God also leads you to identify and commit yourself to a particular local body of Christ. And God leads you to that local church and, bless, and places you in that church for what purpose? So that he can work with you. And part of working with you is to bless you. Now, I know that the word blessing and God's blessing has been misused in our time so much that when we hear a preacher talk about God wants to bless you, we put on our eyeglasses because we are about to hear something else, which is if you, if you give, then God is going to bless you. Now, of course, by the way, it's true. If you give, the Lord is going to bless you. But we need to explain what that means. I do believe when I read scripture from Genesis and I look at the lives in the book of Genesis all the way to the New Testament, I have no reason to say that God brought me to himself so that he can always, always use suffering and pain and poverty in order to make me a better Christian. It is true that God has a way of shaping us, sharpening us, and sometimes he allows pain and suffering and loss in order to develop our faith. But it is wrong for us to say that that's the only method that God uses to, to strengthen our faith. I believe that it's God's purpose in life to bless you and to bless me. You know, when I think of my life, from the moment that Christ brought me to himself when I was 15 years old, that's a while ago, <laughs> to, to this moment, and I think about the spiritual blessings that I have, when I think about the material blessings that I have, I can tell you without stammering that all these things are part of my life. One is because I'm a believer, but most importantly because I have associated myself with a local church. I believe that God places us in a local church so that he can prepare us for his blessings. Because it is within a local church such as Mamlaka Hill Chapel, Ruaka, that God builds our faith, that God shapes us into the kind of people that he wants. In other words, when he does that, then he's able to pour his blessings into our life, something that would not happen if you are outside of the local body of Christ. I say that I grew up in the uh, in, in, in Eastlands at a small estate called Maringo. At the time, it was much better than it is right now. But it was a hard place to grow up. And uh, when I gave my life to Christ, my life began to change. Even my dress says, my, my, my clothing changed. I recall that there were a couple of young people that we grew up, did all kinds of crazy things that uh, uh, the young teenagers of my age did at the time. Some of them became believers. 
And today, in comparison to those who did not become believers, it's like day and night, both spiritually and materially. Because there are some things that happen when a person becomes a believer. And one of them is that God transforms our lives. He doesn't keep us completely out of problems or difficulties. They are always there. But God changes our lives. Now, this is my point. Why would God place you in a local church such as Mamlaka Hill Chapel, Ruaka, in order to bless you? Why should God bless you? That is the question that you and I need to ask ourselves constantly. And I want to say this, that it is true that God wants to bless us, but listen, God wants to bless you so that any time he can be able to step into your life and say of the blessings that I've poured into your life, especially material blessings, I want to take some because I have identified a few individuals within this same community that I placed you in, who have a need. They are going through a loss. They are going through a very difficult time. Or, to even say it in a bigger way, the local church that I have placed you in has a major project that is going on. And now, I want to come into your life, into those blessings that I've poured into your life, because I want to bless the entire world because of the mission that the church has. But I want to do that through the blessings that I've poured into your life. So you and I, when we say, God, I want you to bless me. Bless me with a car. Bless me with a house. Bless me with a big, fat uh, bank account. The next statement should be, and God, once you bless me, I am going to allow you to, or I'm, I'm going to give you the right to come into my life and ask of me to relinquish, to leave, to give up some of that blessing in order to advance his kingdom here on earth. You see, many of us Christians do not understand God's blessings. We want God's blessings, but we forget that God blesses us so that in time he can use those blessings to advance his kingdom. God said to Abraham, I am going to bless you and in turn do what? Through you bless the whole world. And I believe that that's what God is telling us, that he wants to bless us, but then to use those blessings to advance his kingdom. You see, a biblical blessing is not a blessing until it can flow through you into the life of your local church and into the life of the, your fellow brothers and sisters within the body of Christ. I know that what we ask in our time now is, but how do you know, you know, anyone can walk away, can walk from the streets and jump in here and pretend to be a member for two months and say, I have a need, so then the church must rally around because, well, uh, that can be true, but I do also believe that God has given us pastor, pastors within the church who have the gift of discernment. And they are able to discern among us who has a need and who is uh, not who doesn't have a need but just wants to, to, con, to con us. Uh, in, in the past, I, I don't know if Bishop you remember that, but in the past, uh, he and I actually were taken for a ride because we, we don't have the gift of, of discernment. And, and sometimes someone would stop by my office and they would give me a story 
of, uh, of the challenges and difficulties that they have, and immediately I would say, yes, it's time for us to be able to bless this person. Until I realize something is wrong because uh, a couple of months later they'll come with a different story. So I said to myself, this is not my gifting. I, I am driven by mercy, which sometimes can be false mercy. <laughs> then I realized that it, on our staff, we have a pastor by the name Bramwell. Uh, Reverend Bramwell has the gift of discernment. So when these people would come, sometimes I would send them to Bramwell. And Bramwell would come back a couple of hours and tell me, forget about that. That was not uh, true. You and I need not to think about that. You and I need to know that the church of Christ, the local body of Christ, will always have a need. And therefore, there are those that God places within the body of Christ who then are able to, like in the New Testament, take that what you give and be able to distribute to those that may not. And this church has been very practical in doing that. Whether a person has lost a loved one and there are expenses involved, whether a person has lost a job or all kinds of things that happen to us in life. And our desire and commitment is to continue to be a church that cares for its people. And that care is not just coming from the leadership, but that care comes from you yourself saying that being part of this body of Christ, I will not continue to excel in my wealth, in my economics, and forget that there are times when God allows some losses or some suffering or some pain in a brother and a sister. You and I can be able to continue to be passionate, continue to be committed to the body of Christ when we have the right view of ownership of our resources and the fact that God wants to bless us and so we embrace him, we run with him, but for a purpose. Our focus, our desire, our commitment is that the church of Jesus Christ will advance its mission to the ends of the earth. And that's what Mamlaka Hill Chapel Ruaka is trying to do. And thank God that you are here today because God wants to use you to help advance what God is doing in our world today. There is a second way that you and I can be able to maintain that passion, that love, that commitment to the church, and that is to have a realistic view of the true nature of the church. You and I need to understand the true nature of the local church. One of the reasons why many Christians are not identifying and committing themselves to a particular local body of Christ is because they are looking for a perfect, flawless, local body of Christ. In the book of Acts, the passage of scripture that was read, we are told that they were all together and they had everything in common. In verse 46, it says that they met every day, not just on Sunday or Saturday, they met every day 
in the temple courts. And I want to believe that they met to fellowship and to enjoy each other's company. And everything in this local church seemed to be going perfectly. You know, when you and I read verse 44, verse 45, verse 46, verse 36, that whole passage of scripture, it is very easy for us to think, this is the model church. This is the kind of church that every local church ought to be like. Because for all practical purposes, this was a perfect, flawless church. It's very easy for us to think that way. Until you get to chapter 6. Let me draw your attention, attention to chapter 6, verse 1. <clears throat> in chapter 6 of the book of Acts, chapter 1, Luke informs us that in those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained about the Hebraic Jews because the Hellenistic Jews' widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Can you see a problem right there in this church that we have talked about being a perfect, flawless church where people were selling things left and right, where people were being commissioned to go into the whole world and preach? Can you see a problem there? You see, the, the Hebraic Jews and the Hellenistic Jews had always had blood, sorry, bad blood between them there was always a conflict. You see, the Hebraic Hebraic Jews viewed themselves as the pure Jews. Why? Because they lived in Judea, near near Jerusalem. And they spoke mainly the Hebrew language. The Hellenistic Jews, on the other hand, were Jews who were scattered among the Gentiles. And... uh, the possibility of them intermarrying with the Gentiles was high, so there were quite a number of them that had intermarried with the Jews. And they spoke mainly the Greek language. They didn't speak much Hebrew. The Hebraic Jews viewed themselves as the really true Jews, and they looked down on the Hellenistic Jews. When the gospel was being preached in the streets of Jerusalem and in that whole world there, a lot of these Hebraic Jews and these Hellenistic Jews were becoming believers. When they became believers, God did what he does, and that he would take them and place them into his universal body of Christ and then into a local body of Christ. So there were Hellenistic Jews who had become believers who were part of this local church. And there were Hebraic Jews who had become believers who were part of this local church. But here is the truth about what happened and what happens even in the local church such as Mamlaka Hill Chapel. When we get saved, we still carry our sinful nature. 
These Hellenistic Jews and these Hebraic Jews were brought into this local body of Christ, but they still had their sinful nature. They still needed God's work of perfecting them so that one day he, they can present them as perfect and flawless. But as long as they were still here on earth, they were still working out their salvation with fear and tremble. And at times, they were doing things that they should not have been doing. So these Christians carried their conflict into this local body of Christ that met at that place. And uh, their disagreement was evident in the fact that the Hebraic Jews began to da look down on the Hellenistic Jews. Now, you know that the church did meet and resolved that matter, but my point is that this particular congregation that at certain point we all thought was a perfect congregation actually was not a perfect congregation. You know, having been a pastor in several local churches, I can tell you without stammering that there is nothing such as a flawless, perfect church. Every church has its own weaknesses or one of its own problems. That's why our Lord Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is at work shaping us, molding us into the very likeness of Christ Jesus. And one day he who began this good work of molding us, building us into the very image of Christ will bring us to completion, will bring that work to completion. If you were to go around and you found a church that is flawless, a church that is perfect, where the leadership makes perfect decisions, where people love one another, they, they don't offend each other, they are fellowshipping with one another with hugs, nobody ever looks bad at the other, it's completely perfect. If you ever come to that kind of a church, I want you to know chances are that you died <laughs> and you are actually in heaven and you are mistaking <laughs> this church, uh, you are mistaking your presence in heaven to, to a church here on earth. While here on earth, there will be nothing such as a perfect congregation. Now listen carefully. The Lord Jesus Christ, when he calls us to himself, he calls us to abandon our wicked ways and to walk righteously. If we had time, if it wasn't maybe if we were doing this series, I would have done another sermon on how to protect your local church. And to protect your local church, you live a righteous life. You cannot live anyhow and say, anyway, I am a sinner saved by the grace of God. Uh, because one of the arguments out there is that the, the church is full of hypocrites. You've probably heard that, which is not true. But the devil wants us to believe that the church is full of hypocrites. And just because one or two or three or four individuals are not living up to the expectation of the Lord in terms of their righteousness. 
But having said that, a local church is a gathering of men and women, boys and girls, who are sinners, who have been saved by the grace of God, and who daily need this same grace to help them to navigate their way through the realities of life. Uh, I believe it's uh, a professor of mine in, uh, in seminary, uh, Dr. Howard Hendricks, who used to say that the church is like the Noah's Ark. If it wasn't for the storms and the rains on the outside, you wouldn't know of the smell inside. If you recall Noah's Ark, all kinds of creatures went in there. Can you imagine? Imagine being in Noah's Ark. Some of the people within Noah's Ark would have left, but when they tried to get out, the world was cruel. The world was vicious. The world was not welcoming. There were storms and rains. God is about transforming people. My prayer is that 10 years from now, this place that God has placed you. Now, I know many of you have come from different places, but this is where God has placed you now. 10 years from now, you'll be an active, functioning member of the body of Christ as represented here at Mamlaka Hill Chapel. And I've got no doubt that your journey is going to be a tremendous, exciting journey. As God shapes you, as God builds you, as God pours his blessings into your life, as he uses you to be a blessing to this body of Christ, as this congregation continue to advance its kingdom to the ends of the earth. How do you and I maintain our passion and our commitment to this bride of Christ, this very important institution, this divine institution that God has put together, this divine institution where he places his sinful people and shapes them into the very likeness of Jesus Christ, this very, 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 very important piece in God's agenda here on earth. How do you as a believer and I as a believer fall in love with the local church, walk with it, commit ourselves to it, give up almost our lives for it, for it to advance its King, it's, uh, it, it's, uh, its agenda in this world. You do that by committing yourself to it. And some of the hindrances for you and I to commit ourselves to it is, to have, is that we, we, we don't have the right view of the true ownership of the church. Secondly, we wander around and not identify and commit ourselves to a particular local church. But we also fail to understand that it's within the body of Christ, the local church, that God prepares us to carry his message to the end of the world. And in the process of shaping us, he also pours his blessings into us. And then he wants to use those blessings to advance his kingdom. But finally, many of us are looking for that perfect heavenly church. My prayer is that uh, you stay straight 
And understand now God has placed you here. Run this race until you finish this race. Let God shape you here. And now, having been here for a couple of weeks, uh, uh, months, or even years, you know by now what Mamlaka Hill Chapel, Ruaka, stands for. The advancement of the kingdom of God is at the heart of who we are. And we want to walk with you. We want to serve with you. We want to advance the kingdom of God with you. May the Lord bless you, may the Lord keep you, and may his face shine upon you. And Merry Christmas if we don't see you. Blessings. Lord.